Hello and welcome to Now Here's a Thing, the latest laid-back podcast crafted by me, Tracy Jones, and me, Heather Noble. Stuart said to me last night, I asked for the volume to be turned up on the television and I secretly said, well not secretly, I sort of said, I think I'm going deaf. He said, yeah, I think you are. I was like, no, it's just, I'm ignoring you more. <laughs> Do you want me to cut that one out of the recording? Or can we leave it in? Just leave it in, he won't listen. No. Yes. And that may or may not be true. <clears throat> Shall I open the window? Sorry. No, let's no, just get let's, on with it. Let's get on with it, right. Okay. It's a podcast, it's audio. Nobody's going to see us sweating. <laughs> you can just imagine it. Mm. Yeah, yeah, lovely. You go first. I can do now. Here's the thing. We've talked about all sorts of things, haven't we? Emotional intelligence, big thing, intelligent emotion quotient, and all of those things. Came across an article the other day, which I thought, well, what on earth is that about? And it was on a website called CommonPurpose.org. I don't know why. I don't know why I found it. it must have been on the Twitters or something. Okay. But they were talking about something called CQ, cultural intelligence. Oh, CQ. Have you heard of that? Nope. Not me. What do you think it is? Is it your awareness of just what's going on around you in society? It's, it is, but it's more than that. It's okay. the ability to cross boundaries and thrive in multiple cultures. Multiple so is, cultures? Yeah. Okay. So it is literally Oh, so not just cultural. what's going on around you. Yeah, not... But crossing to yeah, a Yeah, not culture as in the arts and media and all of those types of things, but actual different society. cultures. Yes. So, um, so where uh, IQ is intelligence, EQ yeah. is emotional intelligence... Um, cultural intelligence, CQ, is the new thing. Um, oh, and this is very exciting. <laughs> I'd never heard of it before. No. Uh, apparently, good leaders need all three if they are to lead effectively because we're living in a more multicultural... Um, Global? Yeah, and, and as the world gets smaller, it is more likely that we will be encountering people of other cultures. Yeah. Um, so that kind of made sense. Um, within this article, there is um, a, a tool with which to measure your CQ. Oh, oh, I want to do it. Well, it, the trouble is, it seems to require other people oh. um, in order to do the assessment. Um, but but it, it does just get you thinking, well, oh, yeah, actually, this is really interesting. If they tried to teach me this at school years ago, would I have been interested? I'd probably be like, what do I need to learn all this stuff for? But now I think it's fascinating. Yeah. Because as equality, diversity and inclusion becomes more prevalent and more necessary and all of those types of things, the actual cultural thing, um, it, it becomes more and more important. So, for example, there's a quote that says, um, uh, it's about flexing your behaviours. So he says, for example, you must bow in Japan. It is how you show deference. At home, I might this do, I might do this in one way. But in Japan, I do it their way. Because there's lots of different ways to bow, isn't there? Okay, yeah. So and it's not imposing your way on their 
no culture. it's recognizing okay. that they have a way of doing things okay um but you have to take account of where you are and show people that you have done so so that's a bit like i don't know um people who go to france and speak english and louder and slower whereas you might you don't need to be fluent in french but just being able to say hello thank you please yes demonstrates that you have at least acknowledged that they have a different language and that it's you that can't speak and it's, it's me not them yeah that can't exactly speak yours. exactly and then very often people will want to be helpful um so the, the article talks about there are core things and then there are flex things um so uh and and, and constantly checking what those are and looking at our bio, our unconscious biases we've been talking about that um is really important but he says that um one person one culture or one continent cannot if they're operating alone solve big problems global issues well we've talked about that haven't we with uh, neurodiversity is that one way of thinking won't won't solve problems because you only know what you know in in that sort of way of thinking. Um, I can't even remember what the book was that we were reviewing now. I think this might have even been when we were doing uh, um, big business briefs, big business or even briefs, even before that. I'm not sure now. We were talking about how um, the FBI or the CIA were struggled um, with 9/11 and predicting that because you know they, they're just made up of. Um, the people from the same colleges who've studied the same thing yeah. from the same cultural backgrounds and didn't appreciate the culture of the people who were a potential threat. Yeah, absolutely. Because we and couldn't... I can't remember the book, and I'm really sorry to the author, but yeah, yeah, that's yeah. yeah. So, so essentially, um, so there's an eight. So the person who's come up with this, um, Julian Middleton, has come up with an eight poles um, assessment. So she says. Cultural intelligence should be thought as of something which we continue, can continuously improve and develop over the duration of our lives. But the difficulty is in acquiring it. Um, we do this through our experiences, but also with knowledge imparted by other people whom we trust and who trust us enough to give us their knowledge. So, um, so a lot of people are starting at very low base level. I mean, you or I, if there's some, if we meet somebody culturally and there's something of a different culture, faith, or, or any demographic, really, and we don't, there's stuff that we don't understand. I think we're humble enough to say, how does that work in your culture? From a point of genuine yeah. interest. Yeah. Um, and that's... I, I say interest. Yeah. You, you want to know. And because you don't want to get it wrong or inadvertently, um, like, you know, feeding certain things to, you know, people of different faiths, you know, you just... Or even if somebody's vegan, you know, like, okay, so you don't serve up bloody roast beef, you know, what it's just part of being a human, yeah. isn't it? The best experience I've had of this recently was when I went to Norway in December last mm -hmm. year, and I was with a group of six other people, a um, couple from Norway, uh, Brazil, America, France, Hungary, Poland... Yeah, it was amazing. Yeah, and and you know, as we were talking, you just you start to have those, like you said, those. Oh, so on Christmas Eve, yeah, what, what is Christmas? What do you do? And, yeah, and what do you do then? And how do you? And and we just all got into that big conversation, and it came from a place. All seven of us were like, okay, I'm really interested to know this. So I think that is perhaps the key. Somebody's got to be open to wanting to learn it. 
yeah, I don't think you can you can't sort of force yourself to have cultural intelligence without a a willingness to embrace it, can you? No, we? well, no, and and there are certain elements. So the first thing is your drive, your interest, drive, and motivation to adapt. You know, want to understand, and then once you understand, make those changes. You know, behave yeah. differently. Um, your knowledge, so understanding how cultures are similar and different. Um, your strategy, so thinking about how you're going to plan multicultural interactions if that's part of your business. So yeah. um, the people who organise that trip into Norway, they will have considered, are there any language barriers amongst this group of people? Yeah, we had an interpreter for the two guys. Brilliant. One of the Norwegians didn't speak English, the Hungarian didn't speak very good English. Okay. So, you know, they they got interpreters for the whole of the trip. Yeah. And of course, if, you, if you're trying to influence a client... You know, it's going to be really important that, yeah. that you put things in place. And also then the action, your ability to adapt when you're relating and working interculturally. So so that... Um, yeah, so you might know it, you might be willing to do it, but actually do you do it very well? Do you, yes, yeah. yeah. And I think that's part of this whole sort of reviewing thing. Anyway, just to go back to the... Um, the the uh, the measurement tool the eight, eight points the yeah. eight poles assessment eight poles. yes um what in order to complete the assessment you basically need to find um other leaders or other colleagues who are different to you culturally so it might be um so she uses the points of a compass, the north, northeast, etc. Yeah. But essentially, if you were going to do this, you would find somebody from a different generation, at least 20 years older or younger than you. You would find somebody who is in a similar role but isn't your gender. You'd find um, somebody with a different faith. You'd find somebody with different politics. Um, somebody who um, whose perspective will come from a place over 7,000 kilometres from you. A leader with less or more experience of disability than you. A leader who works in a different sector from you, public, private or NGO. And a leader born with different perceived prospects from you. Right. So that's looking at all of the different elements of culture. And you come together. So, you, so essentially you... You send the questionnaire to everybody, each you know people yeah. who come from different parts of the compass theoretically, um, and then the questions that you ask is um, so if you're the person that's sent it, do you think this person is in, person is interested in other cultures? Does this person have many friends or colleagues who are like you? These are the types of things that you start to look at. Um, have you ever seen this person stumble in a new culture? Well, so do these people that you're asking have to know you? Yeah, I think, yeah. That because can be quite difficult, can't it? Um, some, you know, somebody 7,000 miles away, you might just have a very fleeting relationship. With them. Yes, you might. But I think what this is doing is it's starting to look more at global organisations. Yeah, I'm, I'm thinking of my organisation now. Yeah, you? yeah. However, imagine if, you did something similar with your colleagues yeah. just around some of the protected characteristics. Okay. You know, yeah. So you, maybe you don't need somebody who's 7,000 kilometres away. But, but the diversity but there you is, have. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. yeah. So that you might, you know. No, we have some people who are younger than 20. Yeah. Young people the in the organisation. 
a predominantly male workforce? Have you got a female? Female workforce? Have you got a male? Um, it, it's disability, disability sexual orientation, all yeah. of those different things. So the question, the, the assessment in itself is quite a quite interesting model. But then within a larger organisation, um, thinking about um, all of those different strands. But then the final question is, has knowing this person increased your own CQ? Oh, Wow. So, you know, are people, so just. Are in, you learning from are them? Are you learning from them? Because you would like to think that if you did work with somebody with a different characteristic, a different cultural element of some sort, that you would be learning from them. But if you said no, then that doesn't that say more about you as a closed individual, or maybe yeah. you're not asking the questions, yeah. or maybe you're not interested. Maybe not mediating. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Or you're not you're not asking for it and absorbing it. Yeah. You're not open to. So it's a thing that I've never heard of before, um, but it sounds like it's you're very excited by it, one, and as am I. One of the next yeah big things to um, to come into the workplace as the world gets smaller. Cultural. Intelligence. Intelligence. Okay. I like it. Thank you very much for that. You're welcome. Now, here's the thing. We recorded this during Mental Health Awareness Week in the UK. Ah, yes, we are. And I just thought, okay, we should do something about mental health. And nice article in Positive News from Mm -hmm. the start of the week the best advice for boosting your mental health, according to you. So Positive News did a survey of their readers to ask them for the best advice they've received about looking after their mental health. And I thought, maybe I could ask you the same question. What's the best advice you've had for looking after your mental health? The... Gosh, the best advice. The best advice I'd give myself is take time out to just stop and think. It doesn't need to be very long. Um, The best advice I've been given, probably um, things don't have to be perfect. Yes. Striving for perfection, you're always going to fail. Because there's always room for improvement. That doesn't mean that you quit at 50% good enough. But, you know, I spent a long time trying to make everything perfect and failing, therefore feeling like a failure. But my perfect and your perfect would be two totally different things. So what's the point? Yeah, exactly. What about you? I've I've not been without mental health... uh... What should I say? I don't want to say concerns or even illness, but I've, I have worked on my mental health for mm. many, since my early 20s. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think perhaps the biggest... So I've, I've gone through all the journaling, I've gone through the talking, I've done the mindfulness, and, and, and I, like, I embrace all of that. I think it's yeah. all really important. But I think probably the most important thing that I've sort of made more of a life philosophy is just appreciate the now yeah what is there now you know and that that's sometimes called mindfulness but it's actually mm. yeah just 
appreciate what there is yeah. around, you know, if it, if you're in the park and there's a bird singing, just notice. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, you know, don't think it's always going to be better if, or, you know, or, you know, I also, that whole um, thing about, well, you know, it's like the diet thing, isn't it? Well, I'll start my diet on Monday. Well, if it's worth starting, just start it now. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I'm quite like that. And perhaps maybe as uh, I would give the advice to my younger self, is that people really don't give a shit about you. Yeah. They don't yeah. notice you half as much half as, as you much think. As you think yes. They're not thinking about you really, you know, they're mm. thinking about themselves and, and that's, you know, get on and don't worry about what other people mm. think. Mm. I think the other thing, I remember when I had some counselling for a, quite a long time and one big thing that came out of that, it wasn't a piece of advice, but it was a realisation that everybody is responsible for their own actions. I am not responsible for your actions and I can't make you do things you yeah. don't want to do. But similarly, I don't have to agree with things that you do uh, and um, I'm not responsible. So if you say something and it upsets somebody, that's not my problem. Yeah. It's not my fault. Yeah, it wasn't my on. job to have prevented that in some way, shape or form. I might say that came across a bit harsh or there might be a better way of wrapping that up. But ultimately, if you go, no, I'm going straight in with my size eights yes. and I don't care. It's not your monkey. Not my monkey. Yeah, absolutely. So do you want to know what's on the list from the Positive News yes. readers? Yes. And they're all very good as well because obviously it's positive news yeah. isn't it and I, I suspect that the positive news readers have thought about these things well they'll be self-selecting reading, group won't they yeah they're yeah. reading positive news for a yeah. start yeah. which is uh, it's a mental health decision in, in itself, itself. Yeah. yeah so uh, write it down was one uh, that was Laura from Surrey journaling has been a game changer for me it's a way to offload and process my thoughts to give perspective and to help stop negative thoughts spinning it helps me to get round to those things that matter to me instead of just sitting as ideas that occasionally pop up and reduces overwhelm. So when I was working as a therapist, I also was it the writing it down was a way of getting out of you. Yes. It's that externalising. Yes. So and it doesn't necessarily have to be writing, it could be noise, it could be sh shouting it out, you know, not to somebody, yeah. just out up into the air or or drawing or something to just but that whole writing it down or drawing it is it flowing out of your hand. Yeah. If you do it with that visualization as well, or playing a sport, help. or you know that yeah. it, you know the, it's not it's not the exercise per se that improves your mental health, although you do get endorphins after exercise. But it's the um, getting rid of some of that pent up energy or and or frustration yeah. in a really healthy way. Yeah. So um, Julian Nottingham and Ryab in Canada both said practice. Or, so take a close look at the tiny things of the world that we can take for granted. Uh, Rab said, get out in nature, no matter how long. Just close your eyes and listen. Um, and and sort of, it's a grounding sort mm, of technique. Mm. I, I really, I, I think that's sort of part of what I feel is really useful. Yes. So that's why I go swimming in a, in lakes. I'm terrified of what's underneath the water. I don't want a fish to touch me or, you know, I'm not in awe of funny wiggly that, things yeah. under the water. No, no. But actually, if you're in the middle of a lake and you're just surrounded by nature and you look around, you can't help but to feel awe. Yeah, grounded. Yeah, and, it's a bit yeah. like if you do um, stargazing. 
Hey, you look up from this tiny little planet, this tiny little person, and look up. It's like, wow, okay, there is, there is stuff. Well, it's looking outside of yourself rather than looking like navel-gazing, as I used to say, you know, just when it's all, the focus is all on you, actually. You're just one... I was going to try and quote um, Nick Cave for Red Right Hand then. I don't know that um, Yeah. You're one microscopic cog in his catastrophic plan, I think it is. Okay, sounds great. But, you know, you are just a small bit. Teeny tiny. Yeah. Uh, Another one here, a couple of people, Adrian and Cecilia. That's a good name. My my great-grandmother was called Cecilia. Mm. Um, Notice your thoughts. Uh, and then change them. You can change them from negative to something helpful. Um, that's not something you can just do overnight, but with some practice, you can start to do that. Um, Leah from Sweden and Maureen from Canada open up. Um, Leah from Sweden says it's a cliche, but it's a cliche for a reason. Don't bottle it up. And practice gratitude. Accept the now. Uh, Shelley in Manchester and John and Galway. This too shall pass, is that sort yeah, of motto, isn't yeah. it? Engage your creativity. Yeah, that for me is, has been, over the years, a real mental health um, crutch in some ways. It's just to do some, whether it's to knit or to crochet or to build a wall or design a garden. or, or paint. From the number of night classes I've done, you can probably tell yeah. that has been my massive uh, sort of release valve. Mm. Uh, lay down boundaries, okay. Um, slow down, yeah. Ditch the phone. That's tricky, isn't it? But it's a hard one. That is a hard one for a lot of people. Let it go. I feel like I need to burst into song. <laughs> Be kind. Be kind to yourself. The first one here says, "Yeah, stop being your own bully." Mm. But also do something kind for somebody else because you'll feel better yeah. as well. Yeah. Feel it. Allow yourself to feel your feelings. And that's true even of negative feelings because if you don't allow yourself to ignore them, they don't go away. They just stay there, don't mm. they? Be your own cheerleader. That's so hard to do sometimes, isn't it? It's good advice, but oh, you might need somebody to just give you a hand with that one if you're feeling particularly... Um, in a difficult place. I think a lot of these things are um, early intervention. You know, if you can feel yourself slipping, if you can feel yourself sliding, do some of these things. I think we also have to remember that there are people who are really suffering with mental illness and just convening with nature or journaling isn't going to yeah. to cut it. You might need a whole complex web of yeah. of all the different things yeah. that work at a different time with support of others yeah. as well. And so I think that for you know for for people who for whom this isn't going to cut it, it needs to be acknowledge that something's wrong, and go and ask somebody. Yeah. Go and tell somebody. I don't know what it is that's wrong, but something is wrong. Yeah. And they will listen to you and they will try to solve that for you. Yeah. It's the first step, isn't it? Because mm. mm. only asking you, for help can be difficult. Absolutely. But you know you you know yourself better than anybody else knows you. And you know when 
you know when things aren't right. You know, you might not know what it is, but but you know this. there's something not right here. But as you say, that just saying, look, I don't know what it is. I can't tell you what it is, but something's not right. And I need somebody who, who can guide me to to intervene. Yeah. And the answer won't be the same for everyone. No. And it could be a combination of all sorts of things that need to be done. So that's Mental Health Awareness Week. Be aware. And I'm really hot now, so can we open the yes, window? Yes, it's getting warmer. Now Here's a Thing is a Jones and Noble production brought to you every week. Well, maybe not every week ever. <laughs> Recorded with an iPhone, a microphone and lots of hot air. <laughs>